I'm JG Michael, and this is Parallax Views. Hello, this is Mike Swanson. In a few moments, you're going to listen to another segment of Parallax Views. But before you do that, let me tell you about my new book, Why the Vietnam War. It's a sequel to my previous book called The War State, which has lots of positive reviews and Amazon's been out for years. But this one is a more detailed case study of how American Empire National Security State operate using Vietnam. And I believe it shows also how things work today, how policy is actually made and why. So grab the book on Amazon.com, Why the Vietnam War. This edition of Parallax Views is brought to you by the $10 and above tier supporters of Parallax Views on Patreon. So, with that in mind, producers credit shoutouts to Gunner, Mark, Alexander, Catherine, Kilo, Emilia, Jeff, John, Bert, Brian, Elliot, Michael, Brace, Nick, Galen, Arlen, Bo, Gigadelic Media, Chance, Chase, Dan, David, Ava, Bob, The West Bank Robbery Podcast, Gary, Ishtofer, James, Martin, Matthew Ho, Brian, Nobody, Thomas, and Dano. And now on to the show. Hey there, Parallax News listeners. On this edition of the program, we're going to be talking about the art of the horror movie edit with the legendary fan editor, Last Survivor. Now, if you're not familiar with fan edits, they're passion projects done by fans to either fix their favorite movies, maybe address some issues with those films, or to create something entirely new as one will learn in the following conversation there's a lot you can do with a fan edit of your favorite movie last survivor has done such fan edits as the night of sam hain a fan edit that mashes up halloween 3 season of the witch and halloween the curse of michael myers into one movie jaws 3 monster an edit of Jaws 3 that amps up the B-movie disaster element and adds in a completely new creature to take on the shark in the movie's finale. Jaws 2 The Amity Horror, an edit that seeks to bring out the slasher-esque elements of Jaws 2. Halloween The Night of the Boogeyman, an edit of John Carpenter's Halloween and Halloween 2 that attempts to tell the story of both in around 90 minutes. We'll be talking about those fan edits and many more in the conversation to follow. If you're interested in the fan editing world or just how edits work in general, I really recommend listening to this conversation. It's a lot of fun and we get to talk shop about a lot of the Halloween movies. Last Survivor has done a lot of fan edits of the Halloween franchise. So with all that in mind, let's get right to it with Last Survivor. 
Welcome to Parallax Views, a guest that I thought would be great for the spooky season, although he's done stuff outside of, uh, you know, horror movie related things. But he is a fan editor known as Last Survivor, and he has a number of fan edits of pretty much most of the Halloween movies. So I thought (laughs) now is the perfect time to talk to him. He's also done some great edits of Jaws 3, uh, Jaws 2, a bunch of the James Bond movies, 007 movies, and a great edit of Friday the 13th Part 5. It brings it into line with Friday the uh, 13th Part 4 a bit more aesthetically. Uh, Anyways, I've talked too much. How are you doing, Last Survivor? Yes, well, yeah, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Um, And secondly, I'm impressed that you've seen that many of my fan edits <laughs> so um yeah no I'm, I'm very good very good yeah um it's a pleasure to be here so for people that don't know maybe you can talk a little bit about what fan editing is because i think some people have this impression that it's like oh is a fan edit going to be this like really dumb unprofessional looking thing but a lot of the fan editors at fanedit.org you guys put your heart and soul into it and the edits are seamless so i i think People may have the wrong impression about fan edits when they first hear about them, just because they hear the term fan. It's like when they hear the term fan film, you know? Yeah, I think uh, certainly if I mention fan edits to like a friend or something that has no no real idea what they are, it they often think it is, say, you've got all the, say, for example, you've got all the James Bond films and you're just going to pick bits and bits and, from all of them and try and mash them all together to make some nonsensical something you know and i think a lot of the sort of a lot of people think that that's what fan editing is and whereas i think obviously it isn't really that um it is really about not necessarily doing your preferred replacement of of a film that already exists but it's about giving an alternative to what uh is is already there so you might take a film um as you've mentioned like jaws 3 or something and suddenly you know it might be a film that you're fond of uh for whatever reason it might be you know like a guilty pleasure of yours but then you might think okay i can make this a bit more fun i can uh, add some extra scenes to it or take some scenes away Uh, you can do like replace some of the music score if you're if you are skilled enough to do it it's remix um, culture baby <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it is basically yeah exactly so it, it depends i mean fan editing you can it's kind of you can do all kinds of things it, it can be it can be a very gentle approach where literally you're taking away maybe just three minutes of the film or something uh and and then that will be released and that's that is a fan edit you're still changing something for it might be you changing the narrative slightly to give it a slightly different feel or it could be that you go right in and think okay i'm going to mix two films together um and even go back and forth on those films so it might not be a purely linear style edit um so it it, it really is the sort of you know it's like a paint box or and you can do anything with it as long as it sticks together makes sense and and isn't just and also the skill of ensuring that it doesn't feel like it's been 
tampered with too much. It feels like it, it is working as a medium on its own. And that in many ways, you, what you're trying to do is hide a lot of the edits so that people don't really think, oh, hang on, there's an edit there. Oh, there's a bit there that's missing or something that's different. Um, and a lot of that comes into play when you're doing sound replacement work and that sort of stuff. Uh, if you can make the, the, the music flow into a scene that didn't have that music originally and that sort of stuff. So um, I don't know if that's a very good explanation of exactly what fan editing is, but it, but it, but um, but that's how I would how I would look at it. Yeah. How did you first get involved in making fan edits? Uh, well. Back when I was like in my teens, I mean, I'm now 51, but back when I was in my teens, I was tampering around with VCRs back in the day um, and had like two VCRs and would then try to put together little scenes by, by you know, recording bits of tape to a tape and then putting like a music video together or something like that. So I was always interested in editing for, uh, in some way. Um, but in terms of fan editing, it wasn't really until 2009, 2010, when I just came across, and I can't for the life of me remember how this happened, but I came across fanedit.org somehow. Um, and I came across an edit, and I still remember the edit, it's uh, Superman Redeemed uh, by an editor who's no longer on, the, um, on, on fanedit.org uh, called A Digital Man. And Superman Redeemed is basically Superman 3 and 4 put together, um, but using the best bits of, of both, if you, if you see what I mean. So, and when I saw that, uh, that just blew my mind because it was so skillfully done. And it worked as an, it worked as an, you know, an overall experience. And that just thought, hang on a minute, I could, I could definitely get into that. Um, and so the next thing I looked into was building my own computer because uh, I didn't have like a like a desktop computer. Uh, I had a very basic laptop back then. And so I just thought, well, I'll look into building my own computer, which is exactly what I did. And then just try to learn all the software I needed to download, uh, all the bits and pieces, because back then you were doing like, from DVD, you know, creating DVD files. Um, whereas now all the, all fan editing, well, nearly, yeah, I would say all fan editing now is MP4s really, um, which makes it a lot easier for people. But, but back then it was creating DVD files. You were creating DVD menus, all that kind of stuff. And that was, you know, that was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of learning sort of thing. Um, um, but that was basically it. That, and I think, I think I might've seen Jaws, the exp the shark exploitation edit. I wanted to talk about that because that <laughs> I saw that fan edit and it blew my mind. I that's yeah. the, that is the fan edit I always recommend to people if they want to get into fan edits. It's, a very like, good one. it's not a straightforward fan edit. It's not like a oh, we'll do a little trim here, a little trim. It's it's trying to turn Jaws into a grindhouse movie. And what Man Behind the Mask did with that is completely insane to me. I he even went where I thought he wouldn't go. He included footage from Orca the Killer Will. And yep. that, I was just like, and it, it flows together. I mean, he's taking yep. different movies and mashing it together and it still works. You know, you do color correction, all of that. It works much better than people realize. Absolutely. I mean, my pathway may have been 
Superman redeemed. But when I saw uh, the man behind the masks, Jaws, the, the shark exploitation edit, it blew. It, it it took it to another level. Did you think he uh, was going to go there with Orca? No, not really. No, I had no <laughs> idea. So I think I, I I remember watching that, and it just I think I was on the on the sofa, and I just went, "Whoa, what's going on?" You know. Um, and the inclusion of the Iggy Pop song in it. You yeah. Know, yeah. Just, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic edit, and it's still one of my favorite fan edits um, that I've seen. Um, and then, of course, he did the War of the Stars as well, which is his grindhouse version of Star Wars, which again was incredible. Um, so I always looked up to him as one of my favorite, and he's still really one of my favorite fan editors, I think, because of the skill involved in what he's done. Um, and that's, you know, years back, you know, uh, so before some of the programs you've got now to be able to add special effects and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, it was, it, that, that was amazing. Um, and I mean, to be honest, you know, the shark exploitation edit was my inspiration for Jaws 3 monster that I did. I, I want to talk about Jaws 3 monster because <laughs> yeah. that's a wild edit because you, you went further than just taking out some of the more hokey 3D scenes. You're like, I'm going to add things in. And I think you did a voiceover for it. You know, the, was that you, the radio <laughs> yes. voiceover? Uh, unfortunately, yes, it was. Um, I mean, I thought it worked well, but you, I mean, you basically, it's, I don't want to spoil it, but there's Jaws versus another monster. And I need to know how you came up with that and also just how you put it together. Uh, well, again, I think my, my, it, it, my approach with the edit was to embrace the B-movie disaster movie style nature of the film. Uh, it was while taking the 3d elements out because i just thought there's no unless you've got unless you've got the 3d version there's no uh, like a 3d blu-ray player or something there's no reason to have those 3d moments really but so anyway i thought about that and then i thought well how can i ramp up the b-movie style nature of it and um i mean do you want me to keep it spoiler free or do you want me to actually talk about Let, let's talk about it because uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean people it's quite, are going to watch this anyways. If they're listening to this, okay. I think they're going to want to see it. <laughs> and also, I think it's an edit that's been out quite a long time now as well. So, uh, but yeah, so I wanted to put, make it more, have like maybe another monster in it. Um, and my initial approach, I mean, was quite different. I mean, if you, I don't know if you've got this two DVD files that has got like early scenes that I did for the uh, Jaws 3 monster that had other other versions of the title sequence other versions that i was going to try and use so my initial in, uh, intention was to include a lot of other monster stuff but it it didn't really work out because uh i was basically using the asylum film uh mega shark versus giant octopus <laughs> so oh, really <laughs> yeah 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 uh i mean that's where the extra shark footage comes from that's where or well, at least some of it and that's where the other creature comes from the octopus um and certainly the battle at the end which is very brief because th there isn't actually a lot of that footage in that movie uh of the of the shark fighting the octopus so that was i mean if i did it now i could use i mean if anyone's seen the meg 2 that's got basically a giant octopus at the end and the shark so um i could pinch scenes from that but um but i'm not going to redo it so but but yeah, so the, the basic intention was to just embrace the mad, mad B-movie style nature. And, and then to try and make it work, I did the voiceover for the 
I think it was for the, for the radio DJ myself. And um, uh, I mean, really, I should have um, got an American to do that voiceover because it would have made more sense because uh, it was meant to be an American radio station. Um, but, uh, but at that point I didn't really know many, that, that many people on the forum that I felt I could ask and, and that sort of stuff. So I just did it myself. But, so, um, so w- the movie that you mainly took from was for the, for the me- shark versus octopus stuff. That was from what yeah. movie? Mega shark versus giant octopus. So how were you able to blend those scenes with the scenes yeah. in Jaws 3? Like what's the process? Yeah, because basically my approach was to replace most of the shark scenes in Jaws 3D with sort of, well, basically CGI sharks, which which sounds terrible now to think about it, replacing animatronic sharks with CGI, but, but you know. Um, but yeah, the approach was literally just to try and color, color match them um, in terms of doing color grading, color correction. Um, which How long usually- does something like that take? It depends. <laughs> it can take a long time. I mean, back then, I didn't have that much software because I couldn't afford it. Um, so I did most. In fact, I did all the color correction within the editing uh, editing um, software itself, uh, which was Sony Vegas back then. And so I just used their color correction tools on there. But it was it was really also trying to downgrade some of the footage. Uh, from Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus to try and match it slightly in with a film that was made in 1983. Um, so I added some grain and things like that. But it, I mean, it did, it's certainly not perfect, but it it works well enough, I think, um, in terms of the, the color style to to make it work well enough and for it to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I mean, I, I I think it worked great. I mean, I I, I watched it. <laughs> pretty hammered after a few beers but (laughs) that's probably that's probably the best way to watch it yeah well that's that's the way to watch a b-movie disaster film you know so yeah yeah uh what what else kind of work did you have to put in that specific edit i'm trying to give people an idea of what the process is like i know you've done videos about this on video the process but like uh and i know you can't really show us on here because it's like an audio interview but like what what are some of the challenges i guess when it comes to doing an edit like that yeah well yeah the biggest challenges would be a lot of well apart from the stuff i've already mentioned with doing the color correction with and adding the extra footage and trying to make that match um and trying to time it correctly um would be a lot of audio work and by that i mean and that's one of the biggest challenges of any edit really if you if you're wanting to either add music, remove music, um, for whatever reason you want to do that. Um, you have to bear in mind that if you, if you are in a, like, uh, in the, in the, the actual studio where you had all the separate audio tracks from that film, whenever that, whatever film you're working on, then that'd be easy, be easy because you've got all the different stems, the different elements. So you've got, you know, sound effects on one track, music on another track, dialogue on another track, and it's easy to do. You can remove stuff and put stuff back in. But if you're just taking it from like a DVD and you're taking it from either a stereo mix or a 5.1 mix, most of the time, everything's embedded. And so to try and remove music and still have the original sound effects in there uh, can be almost impossible. 
Um, I've always so, wondered how some editors manage to pull that off the audio end of it. Yeah, I mean, some if you're lucky, um, then some uh, films that have like a 5.1, 7.1 sur uh, surround tracks, sometimes the center channel, if you isolate that, will not have the music in it. But it doesn't happen very much. Um, there's on the forum, there's a, there's a there's a particular thread that has a list of all the films that have got what is called clean center channels, which basically means it's just um, dialogue and sound effects, and there's no music. Now that's a fan editor's dream, because then you can basically put whatever music you want, and it's really easy. It's just a case of then timing it. And, you know, uh, with something for the vast majority of edits that I've worked on, uh, that's not the case. And um, so what you literally have to do is nine, you can sometimes, there's a, a, a few tools that will remove, uh, that will isolate the, the vocals a little bit so you can keep the vocals. And then it will take out the music a little bit, but I do know it will take out the sound effects as well. You said oh, you can keep the vocals sorry. and then it cut off from there. Can you repeat that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you can, um, uh, yeah, so you can, if, if you're lucky, you can keep, you, by doing some sound removal work um, using various software, you can use um, uh, a vocal isolation, vocal isolation, that's not even the word, isolate the vocals. And then uh, you can still keep the vocals, but it takes out the sound effects and it takes out the music. And sometimes the vocals sound a bit weird afterwards. Um, so what you're left with, you basically have to build the audio back up. And by, so what I'm saying is, in a long-winded way, is you have to put your own sound effects in. So um, that could be anything from like, uh, like in Jaws 3, for example, you might have uh, the sounds of the ocean. Obviously, you've got to get the sounds of the ocean. And then if you've got like, I think the water ski chase at the start that I used from Jaws 2, I redid that entirely by reusing earlier scenes in that ski uh, ski chase and just relaying them over and over to try and match in with the, with the water ski movement um because that scene i wanted to use music from jaws 4. <laughs> so i i basically put in some of it was my own sound effects but a lot of it was using sound effects from earlier in jaws 2 and relaying them in and then just timing it and that takes ages to get to do it well, um, because obviously what you want to do is do it so that people don't notice that that's being done. Um, so I, I know I'm going to have a few listeners that ask this. <laughs> yep, they're going to say it sounds like you have to put a lot into the process of doing something, something like a an edit of Jaws three that was as ambitious <laughs> as your edit. You're not just like it's not like a fan edit where you're making an extended cut or you're yep. uh, doing yep. like a slight fan fix where you take out like one scene. So yeah. I guess what people are going to ask is, why put so much time into something that really you're, you're going to share it maybe with a couple hundred people, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, like, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm so glad that people like yourself do it. But I guess, I, I guess my listeners want to know what drives you, you know? Uh, it, well, I hope I word it that well. I wasn't, and no, I wasn't being insulted. No, 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 not at all. Um, it's the passion for films. Basically, I'm a film fan. Uh, I've loved films since I was a kid, you know. So, um, and just the idea that you can play around with it and change things and get a lot of fun from that. 
um, I, I get a kick out of watching a different version of a film, you know, a, a film that you've known, like maybe like the back of your hand for years, you've seen it so many times. And then you think, okay, I'd like to play around with that and change a few things just for the hell of it, just for fun. Um, but sometimes, I mean, that, that was certainly the case for Jaws 3D, 3D. It was to make it, just make it more even crazier, I suppose, or even more B-movie-like and, and, and just to have fun with it. And as you say, sit, sit down with a few beers and, and watch it and have fun. How, how long did, say, Jaws 3 take you to oh, edit? Uh, overall, because obviously I've, got a, obviously I've got a full-time job, so I'm not working on it day in, day out. Um, probably at least 10 months. Um, and, and one of the reasons for that as well is I did a full-blown documentary um, on the making of the edit and the making of Jaws 3 that I, that I did from scratch. I've never done that again. Um, so, um, but I really, I, you know, really enjoyed doing that, aspe that aspect of Would it. Would you but, be able to pinpoint, not pinpoint, but like what's a ballpark for like the amount of hours you may put in to oh, an edit? Or is that too that's hard? That's difficult. That's difficult because okay. it might, there may be days where you're working maybe just an hour. Um, and right. there may be days when you, if you've got a whole afternoon, you'll burn through and try and do four hours. But, it, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, it, this is not something that necessarily takes like minimum, like six no, hours. I yeah. think well, if you, for me, if you want to do it well, you've got to have patience and you've got to, I, I mean, this is not, this is not knocking editors by the way, but it's, I have noticed on like, when I see an editor on our fan edit.org that is releasing edit after edit after edit, like, so really like a lot um i i do th well i think maybe they're so young they haven't even got a job or whatever and and they're studying or whatever and that's fine that's fantastic you know so i'll take my hat off to them if they can do if they do good work it doesn't matter but uh to me for me at least uh i haven't got that much time so it's gonna take uh it's gonna take you gotta have patience and if you want to do it well i've seen edits come out where sound mixes aren't quite right levels aren't right and to, I mean, I, to me, that takes me out of it. And I, I, I often stop watching. So, um, uh, so to me, getting stuff like that right does take time, does take trial and error. You'll have times when you're doing editing and you're, you're rendering the edit um, to get to the final version and you think you've got it done and then there's technical problems that come up. Um, you know, you watch it and then suddenly there's just one, oh, what happened there? There's, there's no sound yeah, effect. Yeah, there's like a video glitch like 20 minutes yeah, in. Yeah. yeah, and it might just be a Artifacting. frame. Artifacting, yeah, it yeah. Might, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and there might be a fra one frame missing. Or, you know, one, when I was working on the Friday the 13th edit, for what, I don't know how this happened, but the Paramount logo suddenly appeared halfway through the film. <laughs> so, so I don't know, you know, things like that, I don't know. But, but I guess, so for you, I know you can't, like I said, I, I'm just trying to give people an idea. It's not like, oh, I put six hours in over, you know, two months and then I'm done with it. it sounds like it, it can get the, the amount of hours you can rack up is a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm working on an edit right now when I haven't released an edit for a year. Um, and that's just things going on in my personal life and stuff like that. But it's, um, but I am working on an edit and I have been working on it for some time on and off, but I'm so, I'm so wanting to get things right that I'm going back into scenes, back and forth, back and forth, just mute, moving sound mixing up and down and, and just trying to get levels right and stuff like that. Now, you, of course, 
maybe some people won't even notice that <laughs> so um but yes i mean it can you can it's certainly not to me it's not something where you just go into it and do a quick you know um I, for me personally i'm not interested in, in working on edits if they're going to be a quick maybe you're changing a couple of scenes or, or back in the day i saw a lot of edits of halloween one and two where you're literally just putting halloween one and two together <laughs> making one three-hour film and there wasn't much different else different with it and to me that's not that's not that interesting yeah i used to see that with like uh there was an edit uh i found of like the texas chainsaw massacre 2003 right. and the texas chainsaw massacre the beginning where this is a fan of both movies but really all they did was like <laughs> at the end of texas chainsaw the beginning they splice in you know like yeah you know. yeah i mean I, I yeah i don't that doesn't interest me um uh, uh, yeah what did you actually do for the um the Friday the 13th part five edit, because you tried, I guess, to bring it more in line with Joseph Zito's, uh, the final chapter. So yeah. what's the kind of color correction that goes into that? That was the, probably the heaviest color correction or, and also brightness and contrast levels that I've ever done. Um, and yet that's an edit that doesn't get that much notice. I have to say, um, but it's I think it's one of my few edits that's actually available to view on Vimeo. Um, but um, but no, that was heavy, intensive color correction. Can you and talk I was about at, so what were the colors in part four and then what well, were the colors in five? Well, four is a much more muted film in terms of the color and lighting and that kind of stuff. And one thing about a new beginning part five is that everything suddenly comes a lot brighter um, and it, it, if you if you watch both films side by side, it's like the the differences in color and lighting are, are huge. Um, so it was really to map because I I suppose because the final chapter uh, is my favorite Friday the Thirteenth film, and so I want to, I I thought well part five um, for me personally has got too many kills. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a sort of it is, I, I'll say this. It is the sleaziest Friday oh, yeah. the 13th. I've met the director when he was live, Danny Stein. Oh, nice. The dude's okay. a former porno director, and you yeah, can I see know. it in the movie. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, I know. Yeah. No, I think I've, yeah, I've got, uh, I know this is an audio thing, but I've got Savage Streets, you know. Which is I, oh, Stein. I love Savage Streets. Yeah. Linda Blair, John yeah. Vernon, go fucking iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but no, yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I enjoy New Beginning for what it is. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I thought, well, is there a way to make a New Beginning feel more like the final chapter? So I think I cut it back to 74 minutes or something like that um, by reducing some of the kills and really I changing. I think it's even it. less. It's like you cut it to like 66 right. minutes. I think 66, you're right. yeah. Yeah, I think I, think, um, I did. Um, so it's really just to keep that, uh, keep the aspect, keep the concentration on Tommy a lot and his sort of mental plight in that and 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 really just try and make it feel more like the like it was a continuation of the final chapter um in terms of the, the look of the film um but that's probably i mean to be honest with you that's probably the the happiest i've been with my color correction work because i'm not i don't consider myself an expert at that at all and there's far more skilled editors out there that have got access to really good color correction software um, when you say, I, so like if someone is unfamiliar with color correction what like what is it is it just changing the color grading or 
Well, it's it, it's not just it is. I mean, yes, to a degree, it's changing the color the color grading to try and maybe match a film you're like or a look you're going for. Um, but a lot of it is also, uh, as I say, brightness and contrast as well. Uh, and then it's because the the, the problem the problem is you, in your mind you may want to a film. It's like if you if you're going to do a maybe a, a modern looking film and you want to change it to something that's going to be color graded to look like a film from the eighties. Um, there are sort of ways of doing that um, by pushing up reds and blue. I mean, making it very basic, pushing up reds and and, that, and making it warmer. Um, but it's you know it's more skilled than that. It's not you can't just do that. It, 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 if you try and do that with basic color correction software, everything ends up looking a bit either just fake uh, or not right. But it's, it's difficult to explain exactly what it is, but it, but it is basically a mixture of, of, of changing the, the, the color and the brightness and the contrast. I mean, that's a very simple way of looking at it, but it's really about... Uh, it's, basically, it to, it's almost like changing the color palette. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, so if you simply, have a movie that yeah. has a like like Friday the Thirteenth, Friday Thirteenth, or Friday the Thirteenth Part Four and Part Five have a very different color palette. Yeah, so you're you're sort of making it to look more in line, and it's really incredible to be able to pull that off. No, no, thank you. It was, it was as I say, considering the software I had, um, I didn't know if I'd be able to do it, but I was very pleased with with how it came out. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get to the main event, which for me is talking about all your. Halloween fan edit, but uh, we got to talk about uh, Jaws to the Amity Horror. How did this oh, come yeah. about? Because it's often been said that Jaws two is basically the slasher movie of the Jaws franchise, and yeah. that was what you did with this edit. So, yeah. what exactly did you do? Because you cut out like twenty three minutes, and then what? What else did you do to bring it in line with the sort of uh, being more like a slasher movie? Uh, it was well. A slasher movie is often, of course, only 90 minutes. Uh, and that was one of my goals was to try and make it that kind of running time. But also it was to ramp up the action a little bit by cutting some of the more dramatic scenes out, I suppose. Um, and also ramping up. I mean, I didn't really add any, I, know, I didn't add any scenes, I don't think, apart from the deleted scene of the, um, uh, the underwater helicopter attack. Um, there's a couple of extra, I think there's the extra delete scene I'll put in in there because having that makes it feel more like a horror film, um, you know. But it was really, I mean, it, to me, I think there is a slasher element to Jaws in the way that the shark is used, uh, hunting down the teenagers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's similar to Jason stalking yeah, you in the woods. Exactly. It's a shark so, stalking you in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, some reviews for the edit said that I should have changed the music score and maybe used Friday the 13th. <laughs> uh, but that would have been a huge amount of work. And there was no way I was going to do that. Um, but but it, it's just to embrace that, that slasher element to it. I also beefed up some of the music by overlaying overlaying the CD soundtrack uh, from Jaws 2 that I have uh, because the I th believe that the Jaws 2 audio track is mono I'm pretty sure and the stereo mix uh, on the CD sounds a lot beefier and better um, so that took that took a long time to do to match that with the timing on, on the um, on the uh, on the edit on the film itself 
putting the music on there. But in terms of, it's just really embracing the slasher element by by bringing down the length of the film, and then also having a typical. I gave it a sort of ending which would have led into an alternative Jaws 3, um, basically by switching around, the, basically the start of the film becomes the end of the film almost. Um, it's like swapping time timelines around and and having a voiceover from Roy Schneider, um, uh, or no, the uh, the expert on sharks who says um, sharks don't take things, sharks don't take things personally. And it was kind of like a typical 80s way to, uh, or slasher movie, that you leave it with an open ending, uh, that there might be more more to come, you know. So so that was it, really. I mean, and... Uh, did you, you did some color grading on that too, though, right? Very minimal. Yeah, right. very minimal. It was really, again, I pushed up some of the 80s colors to make it quite bright and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So I, I went the opposite as to what I did for Friday the 13th Part 5. I, I went the other way and beefed up the, the sort of color grading on it uh to make it more vibrant but um but yeah again that was a, a lot of fun doing that edit um in the same way that jaws 3 was it, it was an easier edit to do than jaws 3 but um but it was a lot lot of fun to do and funny enough um it was an edit i was meant to make years ago um oh really yeah there was another editor who wanted to do a jaws 2 edit uh, but in a different way uh, he wanted to make it more dramatic, I think. Um, and I said, well, what about if I put on a bonus edit, if I do a bonus edit on the side and, and do like what basically I would have done with the Amity Horror. And and he was up for that and we were going to do it. And then personal things happened in life and he, he, he couldn't do it. And so I, I ended up, before I did this edit and released it, I actually asked him, do you mind if I go ahead and do it anyway? And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. Just, yeah. not. I didn't really have to ask him, but I thought it was, a polite thing to do, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, what, when you are watching a movie and you say, you know, I think I could, I could do an edit of this. <laughs> what, what is, like, are you having the images in your head of how you, how you want it to look or like what how, does, is a lot of it just happy accidents or like what, how do, how do you get the vision in your head onto the edit? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I do. It, it, it's it can I mean it can happen when when I go to the cinema and see a film, you know, uh, and think oh that would be quite good if you did this or or oh, that doesn't need to be there or so that can happen, but it can also happen that you just you're you're, you're thinking of what you might do for another edit and it may be a film that you're very obviously very familiar with um, and that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily say oh this needs an edit, it's just that oh okay maybe I could do this with this and and so it's really. It can be when you're watching a film for the first time, but it can also be a film you're very familiar with and you just think, oh, what would be an alternate? Or, or maybe it's a film you love, but you also acknowledge that the scenes in it that you feel don't work for you personally. And you might think, oh, this film would be better if it was like 20 minutes shorter or 10 minutes shorter. Uh, the pacing needs tightening or uh, you want to, yeah, you feel it's a bit, a bit, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit too flabby, so to speak, um, for one of a better word. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it it just depends. Uh, like you know, when I saw the, the David Gordon Green tr trilogy of Halloween, um, well, that's one that get, that that trilogy gets edited by a lot of fans now. Yeah, well, there's one fantastic edit of the first two 
um, David Gordon Green films that was done by an editor who I haven't heard from for some time called Ryanology. Um, and he did Halloween, so Gordon, David Gordon Green's Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, and it's brilliant. It's it's easily the best way to watch that those two movies in my mind, because he gets it. He's a huge Halloween fan, and he gets it. Um, but I, for the life, so I thought. So for me personally, I I think there's no point in me doing an edit of Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills because this is exactly what I would do. There's no, so that's not going to happen. Um, as for Halloween ends, I mean, personally, I hate the movie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan. I mean, to be honest, uh, I yeah. just don't like, I, I did not like the Gordon Green trilogy when taken no. as a whole. I didn't yeah. like them in general, but ends. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in its own way for trying to do something different, but yeah, yeah. just, I don't know. It felt like, like he was trying to beat me over the head with a lot of things. Absolutely. And I think, there's some interesting ideas in there. Um, and I think if it was, you know, with a, with a more skillful script and, and a better execution. That, that's the biggest problem with the David Gordon Green Halloween movies for me. And I yeah. think an editor could fix this really easily is there's moments in the dialogue where David Gordon Green, he's not using symbolism to lead you along. He's yeah. like the, the literal dialogue is telling you what you're supposed to oh it's the infection in your hand but that's a metaphor <laughs> and they're telling you it's a metaphor openly and i'm like no just let me figure it out on my own yeah yeah absolutely um yeah uh, i'm not a huge fan of the trilogy I, as i say the best way for me is to watch that fan of it i think well everything ryan tology does it's really good yeah he's great he's great he's uh, and he's been very kind to me um when i've messaged him and uh, for, I, for feedback on some of my halloween edits and stuff and he's been amazing but um um but yeah for the life of me i've tried to think of a way of doing halloween ends or or trying to do some sort of weird take on that trilogy but i just cannot come up with a, a way that in my mind it would work and, and make it worthwhile um, i mean some of the music's great though some of the oh, music's yeah. I, mean, the <laughs> I know you it. used uh, the one track that what was it the <laughs> shape hunts allison in your amazing uh night of sam hayne edit so yeah i love that piece of music and i used the remixed version of it but it was uh yeah that's a fantastic i mean the scores for those trilogy uh, the score for the trilogy is great i mean i i think that's the best thing about that that trilogy is is the music um so so i'm happy with that but um uh and i, I do quite like the first film to a certain degree um but again there's elements of that i would definitely change but it's um yeah, it, it's just frustrating. It's it's uh, a that... weird movie for me because let's, yeah. I, I know that people are not big fans of the the two Rob Zombie movies. I like the two Rob Zombie movies. I, the the second <laughs> one more than the first one. Well, I feel funny. like you're going to say you know, uh, but... no, 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 I I agree. Um, oh really? I, okay. I I initially initially hated the first Rob Zombie film, um, but I've always liked Halloween too uh rob zombies halloween too well there's just so much weird david um, lynch yeah, style things going absolutely. on in it the um, white horse you know and for me that's how you do i mean it's full-on um and there's no subtlety in it but but it's that's to me how you do a trauma style storyline for laurie strode well it's it's weird because um, for me and i think this is true of halloween h2o as well i actually felt like the issue of trauma was dealt with better in those movies those three, Halloween H2O and the two Rob Zombies, than Absolutely. in 
in the David Gordon Green ones because I'm like, Absolutely. I mean, in Halloween H2O, there's the trauma, but she's also not just her trauma in that movie. Laurie is more than that. Whereas in, yep. in Halloween 2018, I'm just like, literally, this is all she is. She is only trauma. There is nothing else to her. And I I'm, yep. I just found it was beating me over the head with a lot of that stuff in ways that those other three films didn't, even though the Rob Zombie movies were blunt in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, uh, I mean, H2O to me felt much more grounded and realistic in the way that that was handled with Laurie Strode. She tried to move on with her life and... Yeah, she still has the trauma, but it's not the only aspect of her whole entire personality. Absolutely. And it's only really, I mean, it's around Halloween where she gets that type of, it really comes to the surface, but which is understandable. Um, But, you know, and... I mean, you know, what happens to Laurie Strode in, in like Rob Zombie's films, Halloween 2 in particular, is just like, you know, horrendous. So it's just, you know, uh, so full on that you would believe, well, I do anyway, I believe that what the, the performance that um, Scout Taylor Compton gives, which I think is quite underrated, to be honest. But um, but funny enough, you can have an ex- exclusive here. The, the, the edit I am working on is Rob Zombie's Halloween. So, oh my God, I'm um, excited about that. Um, I'm working on that for a, for a long time, uh, primarily because I haven't had that much time editing uh, because of just work life and stuff going on in my life. But when I do get time, I am trying to work on that. And um, uh, but I'm being very fussy about it and I'm not 100% happy with it yet. So it isn't going to come out this Halloween. So the likelihood is that it may hang around. I mean, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to release a Halloween edit in like April or Right, right. No, I get, it, it yeah. feels like it's something that has to be released around this yeah. spooky so, season. So I do want to do both Rob Zombie's Halloween. And maybe if time permits, I could even release both of them as a double. Right. Well, not, not actually edited together, but as two different edits, maybe all at once next Halloween. Now, I, I got to ask you, since you're doing those edits, <laughs> are you one of the people, because I've talked to Scout and Danielle, Danielle right. Harris about this. Everyone always complains about the dialogue and they get mad that Laurie and um, I forget Danielle Harris's character in it. Was uh, Annie. Annie. Annie yeah, yeah, she played Annie yeah. in it. But people will complain that they had such crude dialogue and they talked about sex and all that stuff. And I remember I said to Scout, I said, I knew girls like that that talk that way in yeah. high school. I'm like, to me, I actually like that part. But for you, like, are you going to edit out that dialogue, or what? What would you no. want to change about it? No, I'm not. I'm not looking to completely desensitize it, or 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 take out bad language or stuff like that. It's, it's certainly not what I'm intending. I might take away little bits of the kills, but not not too much. Um, Is it going to be, I I know there's been a few edits that try to bring it more in line with 1978. No. no. That's not your goal either. Okay. No, no, no. I think my goal, because I like both of the films now. I even like the first one. I don't, I still have It took a long time for the first one to grow on me. (laughs) Absolutely. Me too. I still have, I still don't like the scenes of, uh, the daytime scenes and Michael at school and Michael at home and all those that's scenes. that's my big issue that movie I feels like very yeah it feels very schizophrenic to me in the sense of i feel like i'm watching two different movies yeah yeah you know I mean, it's like it might... child michael adult michael it feels like you're watching two different yeah yeah i don't mind i mean my edit will start on halloween night as michael myers is sitting outside his house 
so it's night time um and it's just literally he sees like trick-or-treaters going by and he goes back into his house um with his stepdad and his his, his mum and uh his sister and his sister's boyfriend comes over and his mum says can the sister take him out trick-or-treating and that sort of stuff and it basically starts on that night and then you see him obviously he ends up murdering um he's almost his entire family um so i'm basically starting it there um because to me that's where the interesting stuff starts and the, the, the stuff of seeing him the fact that he's come from this really horrible home basically with a horrible family type of thing and, and that, that he's killed animals and that he's he ends up killing a kid at school i think or a kid from school yeah he kills the kid from spy kids that's it oh yeah that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right um i just don't think you need that personally um and you know now that you mention it it is interesting i in a way i'm fine with a lot of the um the scenes in the mental world as him as oh, a yeah, kid no, i'm like, keeping the a lot stuff of those. with malcolm mcdowell works you know yep, so yeah i'm keeping a lot of those um and then a lot of the edit is also the, one of the main reasons for doing it as well is to do a completely new score. Um, because Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2 in particular are one of the rare edits where it's got a clean center channel that I was talking about. So for most of the film, um, so therefore I can almost do a complete new score. Um, so that's been a lot of searching around because what I didn't want to do was actually use Halloween music. So I'm using new sort of synth, synth-based music. It's still, it's you know, very synth-based. Um, but so that's one of the reasons for doing it as well. Uh, it's just just have fun with that. Um, and so, and that's, and I'm still not 100% happy with all that yet. So that's got some work to do with that. So, yeah. Are you trying to make it more into like a, since you're using th- synth stuff, is it mm. trying to make it more 80s or...? Um, I mean, some of that's I, already in there. The '80s vibes with like Blue Oyster Cult went out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Um, partially, maybe. I mean, I just like. I mean, I'm a sucker for good synth uh, horror music. Well, so, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I whenever I hear that sort of, you know, obviously John Carpenter style stuff, Alan Howarth, that sort of stuff. It, it I love it. Uh, I mean, you know, some people would say, well, you could easily just use music from Halloween, the, the David Gordon Green trilogy, and put that into either Rob Zombie film if you wanted to. And yeah, of course you could. Uh, Are you a would... fan of like uh, the, this newer genre of music called like synthwave, bands like Perturbator? Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've delved into that quite heavily. Um, I I like some of it, um, but I think it's a it's a bit of a... There's a bit too much of it um right, and it's right. just it's, yeah i just think it all becomes almost sounds the same <laughs> right right it, uh, it's funny because i helped you know. contribute to um oh, did you? <laughs> i i helped suggest edits uh there, there, i helped suggest music for an edit that someone recently did of uh escape from la but the whole right. uh gimmick of the edit was we're gonna put in synthwave music so i'm like okay. you should put this band in you know that that's why oh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, no, uh, yeah, the music I'm using uh, for the Rob Zombie thing is, I wouldn't call it synthwave, um, but it is it is still in that world of kind of John Carpenter style, basically. Uh, but what, I wanted to try and use music that wasn't Halloween, uh, actual Halloween music. So that was one of the intentions. Whereas strangely, my idea for Halloween 2 at the moment, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 
would be to maybe use the David Gordon Green trilogy music. So um, we'll see how that goes. But I haven't even started that. That hasn't even begun. So that may my ideas may change by the time that comes around. So I don't I don't know. But but Halloween Two has actually got a full clean center channel. So that is a really uh, there have there have been edits around of that already where people have obviously put different music in. So but I'll try and put my own stamp on it if I can. <laughs> Do you think fan editing lends itself particularly? to the horror genre and even more specifically the slasher genre because i feel like there's a lot you can do with fan editing a a slasher movie you know there's ways that you can heighten suspense by cutting something you know etc etc do you think there's something about the genre that lends itself to the fan edit yeah i I think it does but it i think it ultimately comes down to personal taste as well i think there's i mean if you go on the fan edit for uh, i'm not as um I don't sort of frequent the fanedit.org site as much as I should these days, but um, there's a lot of Marvel film edits out there. There's a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of, Star- there's always loads of Star Wars edits out there. Um, no, 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 no. I, I totally get that. I mean, yeah. I, I've talked with other people about how, you know, you can fan edit any genre, but I feel like horror uh, in some ways lends itself to the fan edit because there's always things you can do to fix a bad horror movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that is. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as much as I, for example, as much as I love the Halloween franchise, I'm fully aware that you know there are scenes that, that are just there, ripe for fan editing to remove stuff, uh, you know, to make it, make it better in your own eyes. And so, yeah, the, there's count that. Yeah, if you think about it, you're right. There are a lot of examples um and that's the same for a lot of franchises uh, of horror films as well as there's uh, plenty of material to dive into fan edit and put put your own spin on it um so yeah yeah i think i think that's right and um i do want to do more friday the 13th films at some point but um there's a guy on the on the forum that's done done them all i think um, oh, is that the remix edits? That's it. Yeah, I haven't seen them. I have to say, I, so I, can't I, need, I need to watch those. He just did one for uh, all the nightmare movies. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a very <laughs> fast. Strange. He's a very fast editor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I haven't had time to check them out. Um, so, um, but it wouldn't it wouldn't stop me doing my own. It's just um, finding the time. <laughs> right. If you don't mind going a little bit longer, I had a few specific of edits course. I wanted to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I first came across your work because I'm one of these like really weird dudes when it comes to the Halloween movies where my favorite of all of them, and I'm not saying it's the best, but it's my favorite, is I actually love Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, because that is the most mean-spirited slasher movie. They kill a couple after showing you that couple using uh, condoms and having safe sex. It's just a mean movie. All the the danger they put little Danielle Harris in. <laughs> yep, I mean, that's yep. a, it's a, it's a weirdly mean and almost Yalo-esque movie. It, it has this like weird Italian vibe. And I know the director, Dominique Lefebvre and Gerard uh, sort of comes from that European art house background. It's a yep. very weird entry and it's very mean spirited. So how did you end up doing Halloween five, the shape of rage? Because I'll be honest, I like the movie as it is, but I do think, there's aspects of your fan edit that I really enjoy. And if I want to watch Halloween five and I'm in a rush, I will immediately go to your <laughs> edit, the shape of rage because it, it cuts down on the time a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm quite fond of the movie as well. 
um, for the reasons you've basically outlined. So uh, I think it's got a different vibe to it. It's, it feels different. It looks different. Um, and I've always enjoyed the film. Um, particularly well, just that third act alone oh, is kind the third of... Act, the third act alone is, I think, superb. I, I mean, think, that uh, scene where Jamie is in the, uh, oh, what is yeah. it, the, the laundry uh, shoot, laundry and shoot, he's just yeah. stabbing. You're like, oh my God, he may kill her. You know, it's, it's, it, yeah. it's terrifying. Um, and especially because Daniel Harris acts it so well as well. You know, that, that and she's mute like half the movie, you know? Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, who can, who can get enough Dr. Loomis as well? So it's, it, it and he's, he's going even more sort of yeah he nuts, goes full really. on insane yeah. in that movie <laughs> yeah. he's like yeah, i will so, do anything to stop michael i will yeah. use the little girl to get him that's right <laughs> that's right yeah so i love all that that's great um i think it, in that respect it's underrated that film but but on top of that you've got some really weird <laughs> sequences in that film the comedy uh, cops well that's the the blatant one obviously which i mean what was going what was he thinking i mean what i mean i, I just don't get it um um so, I mean, that was an obvious one to cut or change. Um, and, and also, I didn't really like the opening uh, by recapping what happened to Michael. He goes down this river and then um, ends up in an old man's shack for a year. <laughs> Which do you prefer now that the alternate opening is um, out with Dr. I Satan? I think I prefer, is it Dr. Satan or Dr. Death? I can't remember. Dr. Death. I, I'm Dr. mixed Death. up with House of a yeah. Thousand Corpses. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I think I prefer Dr. Death, if I'm honest with you. But I think both have problems. Um, but the Dr. Death one seems to make slightly more sense. But uh, but to me, I would have preferred it. I think the way I, it's been a long time since I've seen my own edit. But I just, I don't even use those sequences at all. So um i don't i don't show a recap i don't think um so i don't think i don't think we necessarily need to see what happens to michael myers outside of halloween itself um this is one of the reasons i've got problems with halloween ends as well i hate all the stuff with michael in the sewer and that sort of stuff i think it's terrible um so anyway that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do halloween five um is is to address those those couple of moments um but other than that i mean i, I can't think how much I, I can't think how much i cut out of that that film i think it was about 75 minutes running time i used on it something yeah like it was that. about i think it's an hour and 14 minutes your edit of it so yeah. what what's was, interesting to me about that edit well go on were you going to say something oh, i was just going to say that it was my first edit for three years um because i spent three years moving house and doing up this entire house. And I just didn't have time to do anything else. Um, so it was my comeback edit, I suppose you'd call it, but, um, but it was fun to get back on the, uh, back on, back on it with, with a Halloween, um, film, but yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so in, I, I'm assuming you had to watch the movie a bunch and figure out how you were going to edit it. And one thing I've always found interesting about that movie is everyone will always say to me how much they hate, Tina and I get why because everyone loves Ellie Cornell as right. um I forget yeah. Ellie's name in it but um, uh Rachel Rachel yeah, yeah. and I mm. get why people love Rachel but I actually think it was a brilliant move to kill off Rachel in the first act because you don't expect that at all when you see it for the first time and Tina I mean I get that people find her annoying 
But she actually has a really good character arc, in my opinion. She cares about Jamie, but she's torn between wanting to be a teenage girl with her boyfriend and her friends drinking and partying. But she also cares about Jamie a lot. And in the end, she makes the ultimate sacrifice to save Jamie. And there is a really good arc for her. And I think listening to your commentary, you kind of say or allude to the fact that, you know, you're not a big fan of that character. But in a way, she grows on you where you realize that you have to keep her story intact in some way. Yeah, I mean, that, that's right. I mean, when I, I think I, I have a lot more time for Tina now than I did back when I first it changed saw the your perspective doing yeah, that. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because I think one of my I, that, that was one of my other intentions was to cut Tina out quite a lot. <laughs> um, but I think, as you said, it, you realize that you can't really do that. It's not as if you can totally cut her out of the film anyway. Uh, it wouldn't make sense. Um, so I, I, I kept quite a lot more scenes than I thought I would with her. Um, I think one of my biggest problems, it's just the scene at the beginning when she first sort of meets uh, uh, Jamie Lloyd at the uh, and, and does her little over-the-top sort of... She does um, the dancing thing at dancing the beginning, right? thing with the singing thing, yeah, whatever. And I just, I think that grated on me at the time. But it was, it's amazing the things that can annoy you, you know. But, um, um, but no, I've got... I have got more time for that character now. Um, do you think that although, was part of the editing that, that made quite, you appreciate it quite, more? Quite possibly, because you do, obviously, when you're editing something, uh, you, you're with it all the time, and you're re-watching scenes again and again. And uh, so uh, you do notice more and more stuff, and, and then maybe you, you have a more lenient, because you realise that character is quite important, and her sort of, sort of journey, so to speak, uh, and sacrifice for uh, for Jamie actually makes you feel more for the character. It's, it's very than you might impactful have in a weird way. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, more impactful yeah. than a lot of horror, like slasher movies I've seen from yeah, the eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's interesting. Did you ever have to think when you were making the Halloween Five edit? Do I keep in the Man in Black or do I take him out? <laughs> um, I think yeah, because some edits have kept uh, taking him out completely. Right. Um, but no, I think I think I've never had a huge problem with the Thorn trilogy storyline. Uh, Me neither, people, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, some people hate it, but I think for me, when the film, when you get, although obviously the idea that oh, when you reach a film, uh, a point in the in the series, and suddenly you have to start explaining the backstory and why, in this case, why Michael does what he does, and people say that ruins the mystery. Well, well, you're six films in, so. You've got to do something, um, I suppose. And considering, I mean, if you go back as far as the original Halloween novelization, that, you know, that, that it's mentioned back in that, that uh, there's a lot of sort of cult stuff going on, druid stuff and, and all that. So it kind of, in a weird way, ties in. And, and, and I can believe that being a thing. Um, so, so, so. I've, I've never had a huge problem with with the whole Thorn trilogy thing. I mean, it's not it's not executed perfectly, obviously, but it's but, it, but it's okay. I, I haven't got a problem with it. Do you think there's some people that may have, if not gotten into fan edits, started thinking about fan edits because of the Halloween movies? And what I mean by that is, when I was a teenager growing up, one of the holy grails for me was Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers producer cut. 
Yes, you know, both. Everyone, yeah. I, I, I did tape trading back then, and I was like, I got to get this because everyone's telling me, oh, it's a completely different movie. I mean, it's yep. not exactly a completely different movie except for like third act. Here's like 40 minutes of different footage. And I feel like people – I feel like there's some people in the fan edit community. I'm not as close to it as you that are the type of people that pick up work prints, producer's cuts – and whatnot, and maybe that's like a uh, almost like a gateway into thinking about movies differently, thinking about how they can be edited differently, constructed differently, and that maybe is a gateway into the fan editing world. I, th- I think, it, yeah, it, it definitely could be if you watched a uh, because I remember watching the producer's cut on a bootleg, and uh, but that's what it, I did too. It had the yeah. tracker at the bottom; it looked yeah. like shit. Now, now that version is more available than the theatrical cut, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing when they produ- when they bought the producers cut out legally. I was so happy uh, they did that. But but no, yeah, absolutely, it could be a gateway. If you see a different version of a, fi- I mean, particularly that sort of film where you think, okay, actually watching the last th- act, it's like a completely different film, um, and you think, wow, okay, so this is what you could, you know, obviously if the footage is available, you can really change um the, the look and feel of a film um so that may be a gateway for some people i mean i think obviously you've got to have a, an interest in in editing uh or changing uh, you know being sort of and, and then wanting to research into how to use the software for editing and that sort of stuff because that itself is a big learning process um um but yeah i mean for some people it may be just coming across a fan edit that they've seen and that may be the gateway like it was for me um uh, other people might be when they've watched different versions of different films directors cuts and all that sort of thing yeah when it comes to halloween six and we'll, we'll talk about night of sam Haim, but but first i wanted to ask you what's your view on the debate about the producers versus the theatrical i personally prefer there was a fan edit done by this youtuber by the name of drum dumps it's called oh, the I blue know, myers yeah. cut and yeah, i love he... that version because i mean what's weird to me is you know, I know a lot of people that have, the the theatrical cut has grown on them, and I think I know why. It's because the ending is more satisfying when you see Paul think, Rudd as Tommy Doyle beating the shit out of Mike with the lead pipe, right? I mean, it's yep. it's a little bit more exciting than the producer's cut ending. At the same time, the theatrical storyline ends up having the Thorn Cult being a fake cover for like genetic modification experience. Like <laughs> we're going to yeah. make super soldiers. They have the babies <laughs> in the jars, and I'm like, I hate that, but. You know, there's also the producer's cut is is very, I mean, it's anticlimactic in a weird way. Um, it, it's such a weird. Both of those are very weird, imperfect movies. Yeah, no, they are. Um, I think. I mean, for me, I come down on the producer. I come down on the side of the producer's cut, and the main I mean, I, reason, in a way, I come on. I come down on the side of the producer's cut just because there's more Donald Pleasance in it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that that too. Uh, um, but I think ultimately, I, I think. One of the reasons is the film makes more sense, um, and whether you like the ending or not, or, or the, how it how the finale comes about, which is a little bit lackluster, um, it actually kind of makes sense in a, in a way. Whereas to me, the theatrical cut, I've <laughs> I know they're going for a more modern, quick cut style. Approach. Yeah, it's a lot more brutal too. I mean, it's Michael was brutal. really brutical in the yeah. theatrical, like the. What was it? I, the, they had the massacre scene with the the Smith yeah. Group employees. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that, that's quite cool, and and you know that scene because it really enforces Michael's strength and power and and all that stuff. But but it comes at the cost of uh, 
any kind of logic, but also you get the bit with Paul Rudd's character, Tommy Doyle, hitting Michael with a pipe, a uh, lead piping or something. And then there's so many quick cuts and you see all this green gunge and weird stuff. It's a mess. And I cannot stand that last sequence in that in that regard. Uh, it's almost like somebody's thrown up on the editing desk and it's just like a complete mess. Um, see, like I said, for me, it's <laughs> that scene where uh, Terrence Wynn, played by Mitchell Ryan in that movie. I don't know how they got Mitchell Ryan because he was like doing some big movies at the time. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I just when he's when he says to all the uh, Smiths Grove employees, oh, take off the the uh, yeah. outfits, uh, the, you know, Halloween's over. Really, this was all about <laughs> selling weapons to the military industrial <laughs> complex. Like we're yeah. trying to get Michael's evil essence and, and use it for like evil. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I think, it makes yeah, sense. I, I think that would have been better off Okay, they had the producers do the cut. They called it the producer's cut. They should, if they were going to do reshoots, they should have tried to maybe beef up the ending in that with that storyline. Well, that's why and, I think there's yeah. those edits like the Drum Dumbs one where, I mean, basically yeah. you can do an edit of, of that movie just using both sources. You could. I don't know how you'd make it satisfying. Or how you'd the, make it with, logical. With, 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 yeah, with that, but also with the finale, <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean... Uh, I have to, I mean, yeah, I, I rarely watch the theatrical cut because of the nature. Although I get why people like it. It is a more brutal movie. It's it's definitely got Michael being. Well, they add gore in at yeah. like the beginning too. Yeah. Like when the, the, they snap the guy's got, neck. Yeah. 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 It's got different music score as well with Alan Howarth did a completely rescored to give it more effect. It might, yeah. The producer's cut is a more old style movie, uh, right, score right. that sounds like it's from Halloween 1 or Halloween 2. Really? In a way, though, there is something genius about the producer's cut ending. Like, it's less brutal. Oh, yeah. And it, it's, 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 people will say it's anticlimactic, but the genius of it is they've literally done everything to Michael. You know, Loomis has beat him with a, uh, yeah. the, the two by four. They've shot him. They've shot him out. When, they blew him up, you know. And the only thing that stops him is a few stones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's a certain I mean, brilliance to that. You know? Exactly. So I, I think, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll always prefer that version. I mean, I, I, again, it's yeah, it's not a perfect film, but it's uh, I I just prefer the experience of watching that version um, over the theatrical one. Although I do understand why people prefer the theatrical version in some ways, especially the the sort of brutality of that final sequence, uh, especially when he's killing all the like uh, is it doctors and nurses or something? Yeah. The doctors or, and nurses, yeah, the mass yeah. I mean, scene. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty cool scene. And, the, and then he's chasing someone down a, a corridor and he smashes them up against the uh, railing, uh, the railings or something. But um, so I get, I get why that's can be more, more satisfying. It's a weird yeah. movie too, because it, it feels very, it, it, it it's the movie that most reminds me of the season for some reason. I don't know why that is, no, but just the yeah. color palette is very interesting in uh, that movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's got a good sort of Halloween vibe to it, really. Um, and that's yeah, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do Night, Night of Sam Hain. Um, I, we need to talk yeah. about that because I'll be honest with you. Every <laughs> Halloween now, I instead of watching like Halloween 3 <laughs> or Halloween 6, I just put on Night of Samhain. Well, that's very that's, that's nice to know. That's very So how, how did how did Night of Samhain come together because I remember when I was growing up there were people writing little fan scripts. You know, there yeah. used to be fan script websites like and they would have like the Halloween awards. I forget the name of the website, but 
people would always try to make a, a, a script, a fan script or fan screenplay that would tie together Halloween three and Halloween six. And then when I found out that you did a movie that combined, you did a fan edit that combined both of them. I said, Oh my God, this is my dream come true because both of the movies have that cult element. So how did that come together? How did it materialize in your mind to do this? And how did you figure out, Oh, I can do this, this, and this to make it work. Well, yes, it, it was getting to the point where I was almost doing a Halloween fan edit every year, um, almost. And I really, I really, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to bring Halloween three into the world of Michael Myers somehow. And I can't remember how exactly, I, I think it was just upon a viewing of Halloween six when I was showing my wife the Halloween series for the first time. And we got to part six and I chose to, oh, in fact, we watched both versions, theatrical and producers. But when I was watching the producers cut, I just remember, because I watched Halloween three quite close to that as well. Um, I thought, hang on a minute, there's, there's all this stuff with the, the cult stuff that's going on with the Thorn uh, cult and there's, there's talks from Tommy's character of druids and this sort of stuff. And I thought, and then I thought back to, obviously to Halloween three, and the stuff that Conal Cochran's doing sort of dates back to rituals and pagan pagan rituals that used to be done years and years ago, which is now while the you know when the, I think one of the lines from that film is like when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children or something. Um, and I just thought, well, maybe there's a way of combining these. Maybe there's a way of of making this work, particularly using the producer's cut, you know. Um, cause originally I was going to use maybe a combination of theatrical and producers, but it came to the point where I thought there's no need for me to use any of the theatrical cut unless I wanted to beef up some of the kills maybe, you know, but I chose, I chose not to do that. But, um, and as I was, I think I'd, I'd done an edit before this called Omen Revelations, which was a very non-linear experimental edit, um, which combined the three Omen films, but cut back and forth in the timeline all the way through. And I was helped with that edit by another editor called Bionic Bob. And he really gave me the confidence that I could do an edit like that. So then when it comes to doing Night of Sam Hain, I had a lot more confidence about the idea of switching between films and following a storyline that would, while the films never fully interact with each other, because it's basically impossible, um by doing a few little special effects here and there um you know uh basically uh, i was able to make it make it work well, i think it did anyway but yeah i mean you have to suspend disbelief on the uh the outfits that's the only thing but yeah. i mean that's not hard for me to do i don't care fashion who cares but um... well yeah because the films look very different obviously because one's right one's but, i obviously... mean you make it look really good with the. i mean you match the colors really well Okay, cool, cool. I mean, in but my no, view, I mean, how much did, did that take a lot of time? Oh, yeah. Uh, but I have to I have to say it's the most fun I've had doing, <clears throat> excuse me, doing any edit. Um, I enjoyed that so much. Uh, did you cut anything out of the Night of Sam Hain edit? Because I remember watching a trailer that you had done of it where there's that scene where he's watching, where Atkins, the Dr. Chalice character, is watching TV. And I think on the screen you had like, uh, an image of Jamie Lloyd. Was that supposed to be in the final edit or was that just for the trailer? It might have just been for the trailer. I'm not sure. 
I'd need okay, to watch I, the- no, I was just curious. That was personal yeah. curiosity. It's not a big deal. But uh, you know what I loved about that edit is uh, the pacing. Can you talk about the pacing of that edit? Because well, I noticed as as the movie goes on, the the switching between the two different movies, uh, the scenes become shorter and shorter. You're switching yep. back and forth quicker and quicker. Yep, that was intentional. Yeah, um, the pacing to me for the for that for the success of that edit was was key. Um, so uh, as you say, I mean, yeah, to begin with each scenes or the scenes I'm using from each film had a bit of time to play out. And then as the, as it builds towards the finale, um, they become more and more short and interlinked. And, uh, because we built the finale that happens in both films, um, but using really Halloween three's ending, which I think is a fantastic open ending, um, with, stop it stop yeah. it yeah <laughs> it's just it's just classic and to use that link uh, uh sort of blending with basically dr loomis kind of being taken over by a thorn cult as well um seemed like a perfect open ending but it, it 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 was a it worked out better than i could have expected um when i viewed it and then when i've i've shown a few people the edit um and sat down you know like recently literally about two weeks ago i had a friend over with me and my wife and uh, we were celebrating friday the 13th but we ended up watching night of sam hayne and uh, she'd never seen it and uh she um I, I was just watching her reaction when she was watching it and she's a big halloween fan and she was loving it and she just yeah she just said that was so good so well done so i'm very i mean whenever you get feedback like that it's amazing but it's I, yeah, I, I mean, I am very happy with that edit, I have to say. And the fact that I think the pacing, it, it doesn't outstay its welcome, I hope. Uh, it doesn't, I hope it didn't No, I don't think its it, it, it out, yeah. uh, outstays its welcome at all. And I think yeah. it's it's well paced. And I, I think along with Jaws 3, I think it's one of the most ambitious fan edits you've done. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd say, yeah, that one, uh, yeah, definitely uh, Night of Sam Hain. Yeah, Jaws 3, especially when I did that, which is quite a long time ago now. At, at that point in my fan editing sort of life, I'd only done like three or maybe two before that. Um, yeah, Jaws 3 is a pretty big big, t- big undertaking. But but yeah, Night of Sam Hain, it's, it's my favourite of my Halloween edits. It's the most fun I have re-watching an edit of my my own. So, well, Like I said, it's it's yeah. pretty much yearly viewing for me. I'm, I'm curious though, how did you decide what to take out? Because, uh, you know, there's there's some things that are in Halloween 3 that are re- really awesome, but you couldn't include it. So, like, I think that you took out the um, the scene where the, the one lady in the hotel is, like, playing with a mask and it burns her face. Yep. And yep. the effects are real cool in that. But, like, I they think are. you may have had to make that decision. So how did you decide what to cut out, what not to cut out? I, I think the scenes like that that are really good um but if they don't serve the narrative of what i'm trying to do even if they're really good scenes and if they're just making the, because you're making an edit that's two hours basically and so you don't really want it to be much longer than that even if you're combining films really um it's, it's so they're the reasons why it's, it's it, if it doesn't really yes okay it's a good gore moment and it's a good sort of sequence but it doesn't add in if, the fact that you're switching between films anyway you have to lose scenes that you might like um and that happened on my last halloween edit i did which is um uh, uh the night of the boogeyman uh, combining halloween one and two i made loads of compromises with that 
to I want I wanted to talk about that um yeah. to cap this off but with <laughs> okay with Night of Sam Hain yeah you you had to cut like I think it was 75 minutes and it still flows really well like I I I didn't really I mean there were things I noticed upon second watch I'm like oh that kill is out that kills out you know I think you kept the kill in of um what was it the Remember Chalice is working with that one woman. Is he he womanizes everyone in that movie? I swear to God. He is yeah. the weirdest hero. He is just like an adulterous yeah. asshole. And yeah. yet he's the hero of the movie. But uh there's that one scene where she's like, Oh, you owe me a date for doing this. And I think uh one oh, of the yeah. robots kills her. Uh, I think yeah, you kept that in, right? I did. And whether that scene's needed is debatable, actually. Um that scene could probably could have could have gone. Um but, I think you uh, needed some of that Halloween three energy in there, though. I, th- I think it was probably. good that you kept it in. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it's just thinking about with you talking about it and thinking about the logic of it. Um, it, it, it could have gone, but I don't necessarily I don't regret keeping it. You know, um, I think it, it works well, but, but uh, to have too many scenes like that, um, I it can think take we, away from the flow of the story. I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a, a, it was a very rewarding edit to do. And I got some very nice notices from it, all reviews on the, on the forum. And it was, that was I, very... I left a really long review. I think you've probably read it before. What's your username uh, on there? I think it's, I, I don't remember what my, my username <laughs> was, but I, I okay, left, right. I, I literally created an account just to leave a review. Oh, that's very, that's so, very kind. That's very kind. But it, it was yeah. a couple paragraphs long. So. All right, cool. But, uh, oh, I, you always, I always love them. Good lengthy review, yeah, that's cool. I was gonna say, um, how did how did the idea for the opening sequence come about? Because that I mean, the use of that remixed uh, the Shape Hunts Allison and just the, the opening credits. Oh, you're oh, oh are, am I back? Yep. I was gonna yeah, you say are back. you are back. Yep, yep. How how did you get the idea for the opening credits and the sequence with the music from? uh halloween 2018 how did that materialize well i do love a good credit sequence um and i think if anybody's in some way they probably know that um, i hate that about a lot of movies today where they it's like they they've taken out opening credits and then they yeah. do like they do the opening credits at the end and then they do yeah. the end credits after the yeah. initial end it's very weird yeah i, I do I, yeah so i'm a bit of a bit of a sucker for a good opening credit sequence and um I've already got one done for Rob Zombie's Halloween one, which I'm very happy with. So awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Night of Sam Hain, again, a lot that just came from the idea that I wanted to kind of in, embrace the title sequence for Halloween three, which was using the sort of TV screen effect. Okay. Um, so I tried to keep that. Um, and then I thought, well, what else? Okay, I've got this remix of the shape Hunts Allison that I really, really like. And you have and the I'm, images of the the thorn cult in the opening yep. too. So, yeah, so I think yeah. It, it, yeah, because it sticks with the thorn cult sort of um, almost christening in their own way the baby. Right, um, and you, you have the narration from uh, Doctor Loomis too, I right? Don't, no, I don't. No, no, no you didn't. No narration. Okay, no, okay. No, no, no. But uh, so I just had that. I had that image of them, the thorn cult going back to the baby, uh, and then intercut other images from the previous Halloween films up to that point. So it was really, I mean, it's. It's basically for fans like myself to have a bit of fun with, really. Um, I mean, when I was, watched it for the first time, I'm just like, yeah. I cracked open a bear 
And I'm like, you know, just like Dr. Jan Chalice would in Halloween yeah, yeah. 3. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. as soon as you get to that point, you're like, oh, my God. And you have to, you know, you, you chug that beer because you're like, this is going to be a hell of a time. Well, well, you're, get, you, well you're getting the intention uh, that I, of why I do things like that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the whole point is to what I hope with things like that is exactly what you've just said, really, is to get across that enthusiasm I have for the Halloween franchise and have a bit of fun with and enjoy something like that, because that's, I mean, I, you know, uh, that's why I do, I do those sort of title sequences because I think they're very entertaining, but also I was kind of, in a way you're trying to tell a little bit of the backstory that's happened already just through images, but it's not, it's not a strict thing to do, but yeah. So capping this off, was your last edit, you didn't, I, I saw another, Halloween three edit that wasn't you didn't do one of those recently did you okay um but you did Halloween the night of the boogeyman and this is a very interesting edit because most people (laughs) they'll take Halloween one and Halloween two and really what they do is they just cut off the end credits of Halloween one and then they they tack on Halloween two but you wanted to do something a little different you wanted it to be the length of your average slasher film so it's around like 93 minutes Uh, can you talk about the process of making that and and just how much you wanted to fine tune it to that running time well yeah because that yeah that was the basic intention was to make it no longer than one hour 40 minutes really um but of course doing that you have to still have a logical you have the narrative still has to be strong enough and for it all to make to flow and make sense and what i knew going in uh was that i'm gonna have to lose a lot of classic scenes from halloween one um and a lot of kills uh well a few kills um and so i i thought okay let's take it from the point of let's try and keep this from almost like seeing it through the eyes of laurie strode and dr loomis so almost like to the point where if laurie strode hasn't seen somebody be killed uh we won't see them be killed um that was kind of the approach and it also allowed me to cut a lot of stuff out um so in other words when laurie uh, discovers the bodies. Uh, that's the first time we see the bodies. Um, we haven't seen them killed before that. Um, we've seen them sort of be in danger, maybe a little bit before that, and seen Michael stalking around. Um, but that was the intention, and 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 so in some ways it becomes yeah. In some ways it becomes less of a slasher film. It's more uh, a suspense piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so because I, I, you really do. I think you cut out a lot of the kills from both the yeah, first movie and yeah. the second yeah um yeah you're absolutely right it does become more like a suspense piece i think halloween 2 i'd i'd already had a good go at cutting halloween 2 down when i did uh, my 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 first halloween edit, uh, halloween portrait of terror um which combined halloween 1 2 and h2o um so i'd already got halloween 2 down to a good sort of 30 minutes maybe at that point um so i, I kind of knew the approach i'd take with that really um it was mainly the hardest work was on Halloween one on, on that one um, by cutting classic scenes out like the head tilt and, you know, no, that's no longer there. And um, but to me, I thought, well, if I'm going to do Halloween one and two, I don't I don't if people want to watch Halloween one and two back to back, they can do that. It's absolutely. Yeah, you've, you've got the films to do that. And, and so I just wanted to take a different approach and uh, they're in no way meant to replace the originals. It's just um, an, an alternate, 
alternative sort of viewing experience, what would have been if these films were literally one film that were the length of a slasher film, basically. So No, I thought that was a very interesting way to approach uh, Halloween 1 and 2. I mean, like I said, I think it's much better than what a lot of people have done with the Halloween one and two edits. I mean, there's a few good edits out there. There was one edit that um, tried to focus it more fully on Dr. Loomis rather than Laurie. You know, I can dig stuff like that, but, you know, just making sure that like that challenge of how can I cut this down to around 90 minutes? I thought that was cool. Uh, Before we close out, um, I was going to ask you, uh, You've never tackled Halloween 4, have you? No, I haven't. No. Is there a reason for that? I'm just curious. Because you know what? I love that movie, but I watch it now, especially that third act in the school where you see Michael Myers with the... He has the white hair. You're like, what yeah. is... He like looks like well, Richard Nixon or something. And I'm like... A, it's a guest appearance by Ben Tramer. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I'm, I'm like, you know, that for me, that would be like the perfect Halloween sequel if it wasn't for the, the weird stuff with the mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm sure someone can do that now with all the uh, uh, FX technology we yeah, have. I mean, there's probably a way to do it. I'm sure there is. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't have the know-how or software to do that. Right, so unless, right, some, no, no, I uh, unless someone was going to do it for me, well, doing the fan of it or whatever but and there are people that could probably volunteer to do that um i don't know i, I think well I, I had brief ideas about doing a thorn trilogy sort of massive edit but then that's i haven't really got the passion for doing that because i've worked on halloween 5 and halloween 6 already um so doing halloween 4 on its own possibly i don't know what i'd I don't, I'm really not 100% sure what I'd cut because I do enjoy that movie a lot. So it would be, it would be trying to again take a different approach. And, and I mean, you can you could cut the, the the weird mask or Ben Tramer mask, whatever you want to call it, out quite easily. Really, um, in the same way that you can cut the CGI mask out of Halloween H2O easily by just tr- chopping one scene out. Um, but beyond that, I mean. I don't know. What would you do with it? <laughs> I, you know, to be honest, I don't know yeah. what I would do with it. I yeah. mean, yeah. I think some people would want to cut out the, uh, you know, ragtag militia from the movie, but then it wouldn't work. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have the ending. And yeah, you know exactly. what? One of the best parts of that movie, though, I don't know if you you said you liked opening credits. That yeah. has one of the most memorable, eerie opening credits it's sequences superb. ever. Yeah. yeah, I tried to I tried to pay homage to it on my Halloween portrait of terror edit. Uh, my opening to that was sort of paying homage to that. Uh, right, it's right, one, right. It's one, it's well, just one, that opening with like, it's yeah. there is no Michael Myers, there's none of that. Yep. It's just like this rural area and you have like the the witch decoration in it. It's just very silent and airy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's awesome. one of the it's, best. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's brilliant. It's one of my favorite horror title sequences. I mean, it's, uh, of, of course, you know, Halloween, Halloween 1's iconic in the same way that and Halloween 3 is pretty cool, but Halloween 4 is my favorite opening a title sequence of the entire Halloween franchise, I think. So um, it's just quite imaginative and different. So, yeah. Yeah, Now that I'm thinking about it, there's so little I think I could cut out of it, you know, because (laughs) it like everything works together, even like the weird extraneous characters like Bucky, you know, the electrician guy, like you need that in there because how does the electric go out? You know, you need the militia in there because that gets you to the ending. You need uh 
the Michael Pataki character at the hospital at the beginning. It, it, like, it really does flow together quite well for, like, the fourth sequel in a franchise. Absolutely. I, don't, I mean, yeah. And the ending. Does. You know, I yeah, think I mean, well, yeah, the ending ch- of that movie where you have yeah. little Jamie Lloyd, you know, with the knife and she's just stabbed her stepmother and Loomis is yelling, no, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And in a way, I think that's what disappoints people so much about Halloween 5. It's almost like they copped out in a way. They did, but they did. But are they really going to follow? Yeah, that you're really going to make Jamie Lloyd the new killer, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know. You know. Um, I mean, maybe if it was a TV series back in the day, like it would be now, maybe it would be now, uh, then maybe you would follow that storyline a little bit. But I, I, I don't know. They were, I don't think they were ever going to go there. Um, but, um, but it made for a great shocking, shock ending. Um, it, it was up there with the sort of open ending of Halloween 3 uh, in that respect. Um, you know, um, but no, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what I'd do with Halloween 4. Uh, in, in many ways... After the Rob's, after I finished the Rob Zombie ones, I don't know where I would go with any other Halloween edit after that. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'd never do one, but I, I don't know. And it's almost like out, you've explored all the territories you want to at this of, point with Halloween. Yeah, I mean, unless I, I've got some really out there, far out ideas to do kind of silent film ed- film fan edits and the reason for doing and by, so in other words there's no actual speaking but you're using music and but you are using subtitles uh, and the reason for that is that you'd be able to change the entire storyline <laughs> by having people speaking and coming up with different ideas uh, and I've got a weird Friday the 13th edit idea that I've had in my mind for years that incorporates that um, and I even did a test sort of first 10 minutes of it. Um, but it, so it would involve writing your own script, uh, coming up with a different story that changes things. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen. That's a lot of work. I was going to say, so with the, you've done two edits that incorporate Halloween and Halloween too. So there's yeah. the night of the boogeyman and then there's uh Halloween, a portrait of terror where you combine yeah. Halloween, Halloween two and Halloween H two O. Do you have trouble sort of, I mean, I don't think people realize it, but, Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2 1981 they look like very different movies. Yeah, they so do. was there they was do. there difficulty in like matching them up or did I do I did, I did some obviously I did try to do some color grading for H2O. You did do it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um but did I do anything for Halloween 2? I might not have bothered with that, you know. Um but they do look a bit different. Uh, the, the Halloween one, but then Halloween ones had so many different color gradings over the years uh, on the official releases. Um, that it's difficult to know now or remember which yeah, is there, the... there's like a whole version <laughs> of it now that looks real. Everything is bluish. Like, yeah. what is it? it's not how I remembered uh, it when I grew up. I know? think that's the. I think unfortunately that's the version I've got on Blu-ray that I then had to color correct when I was doing the Night of the Boogeyman. Yeah. Um, because I haven't got the most recent 4K release, uh, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, last so, yeah. one. Oh, yeah, oh go, go on. on, go on. No, 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 no. It wasn't really anything else. Go on. <laughs> oh, I was going to say the last thing I was going to ask you about. I haven't watched it yet, but you're you're apparently a, a masochist. You did a fan edit of Halloween Resurrection, <laughs> Halloween Homecoming. <laughs> you know, I'm. I, you know that movie. It it's not even <laughs> that I hate it anymore. It's but. just I just don't. I'm like, what is this? It's it's well, not even like 
I think people think it's worse than it is. Like in some ways, I think it gets too much flack. Whereas for me, it's just, I just, it's so mediocre. I like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a good film, but um, there are elements to it that I kind of like. And I, the thing that I, are you a fan of Buster Rhymes destroying Michael at country? No, no. (laughs) Uh, And that's, something that I did take out and I used an alternative, one of the alternative sort of endings they've, they've, they've got available to use. Uh, they haven't got the actual, there's another alternative ending that is only available on YouTube in a really bad quality version, but it's never been released as part of a DVD or, and that, that's the version I would have used. It's, it's quite a good ending actually. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I t- for a strange way because it's a weird film because obviously it's it's, it's like really a, weird and weirdly it's, it's ahead a, of its time with the web series yeah thing exactly they did in it. And, and and putting michael myers into that world entertainment right that yeah that's right um i like some of the photography in the film i like some of the dark the use of lighting uh i like, actually don't mind the michael myers mask in this film i think it's pretty good um so the red so the resurrect the homecoming edit i did i i I can, it, it makes, the reason I did it was because it makes the film really palatable and for me that I can watch it and, and actually have some enjoyment with it. Cause um, there's no Buster Rhymes sort of doing his karate stuff. Um, and the Lloyd Strode stuff at the start, now, spoiler alert, now happens at the end, basically. So, um, and I think that works slightly better, um, although it's still not really a satisfying way for Laurie to go out, but it's, you know, uh, and, I, and again, it's one of those edits that has a clean center channel. So I was able to, I've got two versions of the audio track on that. There's one that's got a completely new score and one that's got the score from the film. What so was the new choose. score? What did you add to it? I used the score. I don't know if you've seen a film. I love this film um, called Summer of 84. Yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, I love that movie and I love the score. It's it's definitely a homage to sort of John Carpenter style scores from the eighties and I basically used I basically used the score from that for for my, my fan edit. And did you uh, also was, trim up some of the character stuff? Because yeah. some of those characters are annoying as hell. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, no, there is uh, there is some of that to try and make them a bit more likable. Um Who else was in it? There was there was Buster was, Rhymes and then the other big uh, one was Katie Sackhoff, isn't it? Katie Sackhoff. But there was a cameo by another woman that's uh, popular in like the oh uh, the Black American action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not the no, it's not the, the it's not the girl from uh, Destiny's Child, is it? Because she's yeah. I wish I I wish I knew. I'm looking it up a, right now. Uh, yeah, Tyra yeah. Banks. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you yeah. know. And yeah. I feel like I've seen edits where she's just entirely cut out. <laughs> no, she's in my edit, but okay, um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, don't think she was as bad as some of the other characters. It's no, just, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the characters yeah. watch, I mean, it, it was interesting, but at the same time, you have these characters that are watching the web stream, which like I yep. said, innovative for its time, but it's also like, they're so annoying in some ways, you know, yeah. and they're like texting her. They're like, he's behind you. I mean, that stuff in a way works. It's just the way the characters interact is just kind of hokey you know yeah 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 uh and i think you know at the time when it came out when i went to the cinema to see it and coming after h2o which i'd quite enjoyed uh like a lot of people i just thought what is this what what did you cut out a lot of the humor like the uh 
the uh, confrontation between Buster Rhymes and Michael, the first one where they're both wearing the mask and Buster Rhymes is like, fuck you, man. Because <laughs> did I cut that out? Do you know what? I'm not hundred percent sure if I did cut that out. There is some humor in it that I think is part, okay. Because part of me yeah. almost like that. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Where he, he thinks he's talking um, to the uh, yeah. stunt guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one that of the was... few moments of humor that worked. I, th- I, th- I think I might have kept that. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I haven't seen that edit for a long time. But uh, um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, so I've exhausted most of the Halloween films, I think. Um, uh, certainly from the sort of original sort of classic series uh, sort of storyline. But Are you allowed yeah. to give us an idea of you don't have to go in depth because I don't want people to steal your idea, but yeah. what do you think you have in mind for Friday the 13th? What the, do you mean the, if you do of, a fan edit of, of one of the, of, Friday, of, of, of any of them. Yeah. I think um, I actually announced it on the forum at one point. And I was going to do a series that I was going to call it Friday the 13th slashed, um, which would basically be each movie, just, just like an exercise in, in trimming them down and making them, it sounds a horrible way to put it, but make them more, feel a bit more modern um, in terms of their pacing, maybe. But I, I don't know if that's the right. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's necessarily the way I want to do it. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't end up finishing um, part one. Um, I have. It is about eighty percent done, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, Are you a fan of part one? Because I. I get bored with it at times. Exactly. Well, I, I I respect part one and I like part one to a degree. Obviously, there's some good stuff in it. It obviously it's the original. I mean, you know, but I feel that there's a lot of, uh, particularly during the finale, there's a lot of what I'd call you just get a one shot wide angle and it stays on it for a long time. And there's like so the, I think there's the scene where Alice is trying to board up the. The, the the cabin she's in to protect herself and it seems to go on forever <laughs> so uh, so i think the problem is as there's only one master shot and there's no cutaways it, it it makes it very difficult from a fan editing point of view to really trim that sequence down um because that's that's what i'd like to do is really trim that sequence down um and i i think i think that may be the reason why i didn't finish it because I, I got a bit frustrated during that sequence um, so yeah, I, I I know what you mean. It's it's far from my favourite of the series. I mean, it would it would be quite way down. Um, I know some people absolutely love it, um, but for me, it's the final chapter, part two, part six. Uh, Jason lives. I they're probably my three favourite. I would say I love those films, uh, but I've got time for all of them in in some way. I mean, I even like way. Takes Manhattan. I, you know what? I'll say oh, yeah. it. I, yeah. I like Jason X because. It's so yeah. ridiculous and oh, dumb and tongue in cheek about it. <laughs> I, my wife loves that film. It's really? probably her favorite Friday the 13th. And I've, you know, she sat through and watched all of them, um, but she has wow. so much fun with that film uh, because it is, <laughs> you know, again, if you look, looking at it, you think this is a, not a great film, but it's a lot of fun. I just uh, saw an insane fan edit of it called like Terror in Space, where they turn it into a grindhouse movie. Oh, right, they have, cool. they have like the Mortal Kombat music in it for one of the oh, scenes really? with the android. Yeah, they have the android versus Jason and they play Mortal Kombat theme. I'm like, whoa. Is that worth watching? I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. they put some Carpenter music in it. You know, right. I, I was going to say for people that haven't seen a lot of fan edits, the one I always go to, and I'm sure you're aware of it, 
it's a really old fan edit, but have you ever seen Scream, the yellow cut? I haven't, but I am very aware of it. But I, I, that is, I, I that is one it. of the ones that got me into all of this because I'm, there used okay. to be people that would sell that illegally at like conventions right. and stuff. Wow. And I'm like, you know, I mean, just the fact that someone made Scream, but with like the Goblin soundtrack from the Argento movies, you know. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to, yeah, I'll have to see if I can get hold of that. A- but, any um, fan edits you would recommend uh, to people outside of your own? Are well, there any? We've touched upon a couple of them, but um, I have to admit my fan editing viewing, I don't, I haven't watched that many of late. Um, so I can't recommend any sort of modern or that many modern ones. Uh, but we talked about, I mean, the man behind the mask, he doesn't do any edits anymore, but you can't really go wrong with any of his, like the jaw shark exploitation, because it shows what can be done and how you can really change what is a classic film into something completely different. Um, and yet still have a huge amount of fun with it. Uh, to the point where whenever I watch the original Jaws now, I have the ending of the shark exploitation edit in my mind. <laughs> so, cause, because I can't get rid of it. Uh, yeah, I love that ending. But, yeah. uh... um, but other than that, um, there's, a, there's an edit, uh, which I think is extremely ambitious, called Saga of the Planet of the Apes by Barnett Bob, uh, which intercuts the, planet, the, the old classic Planet of the Apes films. Um, uh, there's two parts to it, um, but I think that's a masterclass of editing because it's just what he does. He has, like, you have a one bit of the film going on there. You have one bit of the film going on there at the, the other end of the screen. And just what he's able to do with the narrative is quite something. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of great, great edits around, uh, like more up-to-date ones. And of course, um, people can also check out, but I'll have to have you back on again to talk about the 007 edits and the, oh, uh, cool. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want it, I need to see your Smallville edit because I used to love Smallville growing <laughs> up. So. Yeah. Well, so I, I've just put it. I've just put it back up, um, and it hasn't been available for years. Oh, um, okay, awesome, awesome. So if you do um, need it, just drop me a yeah, drop me a line or something. I'll drop you a line. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Can you give listeners an idea of how they can find fan edits? <laughs> that's the million because dollar they're going to ask me that, and I'm like, well, go to the fan edit forum and well, that's email I mean, people I'll, DM. That's basically it. And really? if you if you go on Reddit, you'll find places that have yeah. like lists of fan edits. I don't I don't want to give everything away because I feel like these things get monitored and they get taken down yeah. because of copyright. Yeah. So, but uh, people, but is, if you take five is, minutes, you'll find these things. Yeah, um, this is one of the thing about fan editing and why people don't well people don't get interviewed or talk about it very much uh, is because it's such a great area it's a great yeah exactly it's a great area and well i mean i thought about launching my own youtube channel at some point and and purely about fan edits and then i've always thought well do i want to do that i don't know it's, it's just a difficult thing to do um so to get them really it is about going on fanedit.org and uh, creating your own account and dm as you say dming um or private messaging whatever you want to call it um the editors themselves and asking for if the edit's available. And um, people can find you on, uh, do you want to plug your Vimeo or anything like that? Or uh, Well, there's a Vimeo account. It's called Last Survivor. Um, okay, they can just look it up that way. <laughs> yeah, if you look at look for Last Survivor, uh, you should be able to find it. Um, and yeah, it's got a lot of, because uh, I've do i done a few um, videos where I 
try to go through they're called the art of fan editing yeah you uh, give well, a master class so. i try to i try to um but uh, to give you some ideas to what goes on uh, when you're editing uh, and then there's trailers and uh, you know all my fan edits up there and stuff like that so um and 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 the Friday the 13th part five one is actually on there. So if you want right. to actually watch that, that is actually on there. But, um, uh, but so I don't, basically yeah. ifdd.org, the forum for, I think if yeah. you go to ifdd.org and then uh, go to forum, they can find you on there as well if they, they're looking for any of these. Yes. Yes. Uh, IFDB will have all my edits. I think there's 22 of them, I think now, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, uh, which is amazing, really. But I, mean, I started in 2010. But yeah, so all my edits are listed on there, and you can see reviews, and it gives you a, a breakdown as to what's cut from the films and stuff like that, or most of them do anyway. But Well, thanks again, Last Survivor, for coming on Parallax Views. Thank you. Well, that does it for this edition of Parallax Views. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Last Survivor. You can find him over at fanedit.org, which includes a forum where you can contact Last Survivor and also the Internet Fan Edit Database, where you'll find a whole collection of different fan edits. If you get in contact with those fan editors, they will be more than happy to share their work with you. As always, if you appreciate the work here I do at Parallax Views, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash parallaxviews. One more time, that's patreon.com slash parallaxviews. And with that being said, until next time, you've been listening to Parallax Views with Parallax Views to Parallax Views with Parallax the way out is not simply to say, don't do it, just to prohibit. It's nothing else. If we don't do it, others will be doing this like crazy. So, you know, we have to confront the problem. But no, basically, basically, I'm... I know of the great anxiety problems, new forms of control, but it's also new forms of freedom. This is why I always emphasize that uh, uh, internet and all this new digital stuff, it's a very ambiguous phenomenon, but it's the field of struggle. New forms of enslavement, but at the same time, new incredible forms of freedom. We have to accept the fight with no nostalgia for old, allegedly more authentic communities or whatever. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.